The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Thanks for joining us. This is Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Spirit of Recovery, offering support for your spiritual growth and addiction recovery. Here's Rev. Lonnie Vanderslice and Rev. Dan Beckett. Welcome to Spirit of Recovery on Unity Online Radio. We're glad you're with us today. I'm Rev. Lonnie Vanderslice. And I'm Rev. Dan Beckett. And together, we discover and discuss ways that spirituality and recovery intertwine and work together to support your spiritual growth in your recovery journey. If you're listening live, you're welcome to join the discussion with your comments and questions. You can call us right now at 816-251-3555. That's 816-251-3555, and we would love to hear from you. And Facebook users, you can also message us during the show or anytime during the week from our Facebook page, Spirit of Recovery. Just click the Send Message button right below the banner, and just as with phone calls, your anonymity is always respected. So there's this phrase in in recovery that we use. It's called God as I understand God. And this proves to be a pretty wide spiritual doorway through which we can enter into to real recovery. You know, when I was first sober, I didn't know how I understood God. How do you understand the workings of this mysterious thing that we call God? And to answer this, we'll start by sharing our own experiences of living a life we might describe as without a higher power, a disconnected kind of life. And then we'll move into the solution of what the literature calls conscious contact with a higher power. Then after the break, we'll share exactly how we use conscious contact with God to live confidently. So Lonnie, what do you remember about that uh, period quite possibly pre-recovery where you didn't have a higher power of your understanding as a part of your life experience? Well, you know, I when I think about my youth, I think about feeling connected to start with. You know, I, I can remember being very young and I was always an early riser and the sunshine and the birds and, and being outdoors and just feeling all this joy at being, you know, in the world and, um, and feeling like there was something more. But at some point that changed for me. And so I won't say that I lost it, but I, but I will say that it, there was a wedge driven and I, I just felt distanced from that. And so I got this sense of that I was alone in the world that it was all up to me, that I had to figure it out, um, that there was uh, no place to turn for answers, t- for assistance, for guidance, for help. Kind of a scary place to be. It is, and I, I find myself with a question. Uh, so did you, in a sense, do you feel like through your life path you rediscovered that? Because that sounds like a pretty 
connected way of being early on. Well, I think that's exactly what I've been, been, yeah, that has been the journey is to go back to that. Yes. That's cool. Um, I know that uh, thinking back, I never thought of myself as disconnected. I feel like I open every show by saying the same thing. I should just get a T-shirt that says, I didn't know. I swear I didn't know. Um, I didn't uh, understand or realize that I was living kind of a uh, as a disconnected person. And so, you know, when I think about, well, what did that look like in my life? It just looked like life as I understood life. You know, it looked like... Uh, like what does water look like to the fish and and all that kind of thing that's why i love what you're sharing just now about having this i mean i just got this wonderful clear picture of especially with nature like you're talking about um being connected and and i'm not sure i ever really had that or if i did it wasn't it wasn't an overriding thing um it might have been a minor piece of it but in a way along my path if i answer my uh, same question uh, that I asked you, I'm not sure that I rediscovered anything as much as sort of uncovered or found it uh, for the first time. Now, I know that spiritually we all are rediscovering uh, who we truly are, but I'm thinking about my conscious experience as a kid. Um, I feel like I was, uh, I discovered it, not rediscovered it. Well, you know, when I got old enough to start asking questions, and I asked a lot of questions, the world was explained to me in a literal fashion. And even to the point where some of the adults in my life would say, when I would ask about a Bible story or something, they'd say, oh, well, that didn't happen. Well, that's not true. You know, and it, and it really um, shaped the way that I viewed how the world worked. You know, I mean, how did the birds stay in the air? Well, they stay in the air because of aerodynamics and the way that their wings are shaped and the and the airflow around them and things of that nature. You know, I I was I got to a point of being unable to see the the uh, influence of anything other than physical um, dynamics in the world. You know, and and as my life went on, I um, I had that same understanding of the way my life worked in the world that people interacted with me and I was responsible for that and I was the only one that could change that. And in doing so, um, I, I had this sense of, well, if there is a God, why doesn't God save me from some of this? You know, yeah. and, and if there is a God, why, did, why am I the one that got put in this path you know, and of, of some of these people and such? And so I really, I really grew into agnosticism by the time I was a young teenager. Yeah, sounds like the active mind that so many of us have, that that inquiring mind. How does this work? What's going on? I know that one outcome, at least, if I look back and to my life and see that I, I got overly focused on accomplishments or rather on, on outer um, outer circumstances, right? If I, I didn't really feel um, an interconnection so much with uh, with life and the world and certainly no kind of um, higher power, at least on a regular basis, um, that I can recall. And so that kind of left the idea that, well, who, whoever I am is directly because of what I do or don't do. You know, am I good at something or not good at something? Can I accomplish something that people seem to like? Well, then that gives me a, a, a feeling of connection, temporary as it may be. But uh, the upshot is that my mind kind of grew into an assumption, really, uh, that 
well-being, if you will, had to do with what I was doing or not doing. And, um, you know, that, that took some undoing in recovery because <laughs> that's, that's not the truth of uh, – that's not the whole truth of what's going on. I mean, it, it's part of it, but it's not even – to me today, it's not even the important part. This is just a part. You know, that reminds me of a phrase that I heard early on. It was called, I had become a human doing. I had lost the whole being part, you know, and, and defined myself by my roles in the world and uh, in a similar fashion to you. And, you know, that, that really led to a lot of um, feelings of disconnection. We talked about that a little bit, and um, I will call it fearful living. You know, it, it's when I've when I'm all on my own, I don't have the answers, I'm not being taught or told or guided or instructed, and I'm making it up as I go along, you know, it feels like thin ice. And so I had this real overriding uh, anxiety that that um, was was with me most of the time, and I had this fear of people. You know, I mean, I, I thought about this today. I passed somebody in the hallway, and they didn't look at me. And as I looked at them, and I thought, you know what? I used to practice standing in line at the grocery store, whatever, not looking at people, avoiding eye contact, because I was afraid of that connection. I was afraid of another human being, of being vulnerable, of being connected in that way. Yeah, because, and I'm going to finish that thought in my own experience, because it just led to disappointment. I know that's how it was for me. I learned along the way to just stay out of it because then I wouldn't get my feelings hurt. You know, many of us in recovery are sensitive people. I think many people are sensitive people, but for some reason, those of us in recovery, it seems to run pretty high. And I know that it it, it does. It did and it still does in me too. I found myself um, getting into that kind of black and white, all or nothing thinking. You know, and, and I think this is tied to uh, having my own sense of self being linked to accomplishments. You know, it was, it was either doing or I wasn't doing. You know, it's working or it's not working. I'm doing good or I'm not doing good. Uh, th there didn't seem to be a lot of gray. You know, I, it was hard for me to feel okay. I either felt not okay or... Uh, you know, very, very brief, maybe uh, sense of accomplishment or on top of the world for five minutes or something like that. But it, it led my mind into that, um, you know, one of those logical fallacies uh, that we call black and white thinking. I had that for sure. And, you know, for me, this this period of time and the thinking that you're talking about, I'm OK. Oh, I'm not OK. You know, things of that nature. It really highlights for me the way that I started disintegrating psychologically, emotionally into this um, two people. I felt like on the inside, I was this one person. I had good motives and I wanted to do the right thing and I had, had intentions and such. And on the outside, this is the way I had to behave in the world in order to get along. I had a role to play. I had a job to do. I had things that I needed to accomplish. And so I at, at probably, I don't know, later in my teens, I felt this tug of war between us between us, me and me, you know, that I am not all together all as one, you know, and that if you only knew me is some of the thinking that would come up then, you wouldn't say those things because if you really knew me, you know, and so it, I can see that today, I can see the disintegration of the, of the emotional and mental health. 
Yeah, I like that word, disintegration, right? Because when we're healthy, we're integrated, and we can also be unintegrated or not integrated or disintegrated. And it, this is reminding me what you said. Just reminded me of uh, what I read um, in one of Eckhart Tolle books, where he he kind of had a breakdown and and uh, looked at himself in the mirror and and made the statement, uh, a paraphrase, you know, I can't continue living like this. And then he had this flash of insight. Wh who is the I that can't can and who is the one living like this? Like, there's more than one I here. What's going on? And that's sort of the doorway. Uh, and that's, I, I feel like that's what you're pointing at is that it's the, it's the true self, you know, what I might today call the spiritual self. And then the, the one that's going through the motions, you know, just trying to get along and, and do the right things. Absolutely. I know for me, it was hard to be out in the world. Uh, this took forever. Um, and, and it's still, it's, it's not hard so much cause I have, I have learned, um, supports i've gained support for it but being out in the world among other people interacting doing a lot of interacting with others is inherently um is tiring for me and that's not a problem unless i don't realize that that's true and i think that it shouldn't be true and i find uh, that i'm perhaps uh, judging myself harshly well why can't i why can't I go to, you know, little league practice and then come back and, and be okay? Well, because I'm overstimulated and I need some recovery time um, from that sort of interaction. And so that became one of the, what we call the thousand forms of fear. You know, one of them was, uh, I'm afraid that if I go out in the world and I'm interacting with people that all my energy will be sapped and I won't be able to bring it back. You know, I will have lost it and I won't be able to recover it. Well, so now that we know about this challenge of being disconnected, what's the solution? In unity, we affirm that God is principle, and this means that what we call God underpins all of reality. And rather than seeing God as a being or a superperson, we understand God to be the essence or substance out of which all of reality comes forth. And central to this understanding of God is the idea of conscious contact. We can actively commune with this higher power as individuals, still recognizing that this will not be the same experience for all of us. We have individual relationships with the higher power of our, our, of our understanding. So the solution, if you will, to living a disconnected life is conscious contact with God as you understand God, and that's what we want to focus on today. But this phrase begs many deep questions. What do we mean when we say higher power or God? What does it mean to say, as I understand God? Is God different for different people? And how can I find out what this higher power means to me? So Dan, if you would talk about it a little bit, would you share about your journey to the understanding that you have today? What was your process like? Well, I feel uh, fortunate and I'm grateful that I discovered unity before I got into uh, recovery. And the, the unity way of seeing, which was, had really captured my attention for, you know, and we, you know, in the program, we use that phrase, it's a God thing, just sort of for those serendipitous uh, events that occur or when, when it feels like, um, we, you know, we make a connection and then everything seems like, wow, this really lined up to support me in this situation. That's how I felt about my introduction to unity. And so 
when I think about God as I understand God, the first uh, time I encountered a real challenge to the uh, classical theist God, you know, what I call the God of the old or traditional church, was in the context of, of a unity. And I was hearing about this God that is principle and this God that's the same for everyone everywhere and this God that, that's not, um, you know, doesn't wake up in a bad mood and doesn't curse one person one moment and bless another person another moment. And that all of a sudden began to make a lot of sense to me. So my first foray, if you will, my first exploration of the concept of a God that I could connect with and understand came through that unity uh, view as God is basically God is not capricious as we say not moody you know not not a moral judge but more like um, uh, a reliable force of nature if you will so when I reflect on my journey you know I, I mentioned earlier that I was firmly agnostic by the time I was in my teens and by the time I was in my 20s, I had pretty much discarded all trappings of religion because it just didn't make sense. You know, the the um, capriciousness of the Old Testament God and such. And I was not a Bible scholar by any stretch of the imagination. I had been exposed to to uh, some church and, and I had been, you know, I knew a few Bible verses and I knew the Ten Commandments and all of those things were external to me and they just did not make sense. You know, logic was my God intellect was my God. That's what guided my life. That's what I looked to for reason. And so, you know, when I, when I got to the program and they said, you better find a higher power, you better find a God, <laughs> you know, I'm going, okay, I don't know what, what I'm doing here. I'm still firmly agnostic. And I was, I was told, well, you know, you need to do certain things. And we'll talk about those, I'm sure, a little farther in. But one of the things I did was that the first, the first weekend when I went to a meeting, I also went to church. Because that was the first crack in my ideology that maybe there's something more. You know, agnostic means I don't know, you know, not knowing. And so to, to open that door to say, well, maybe they know something I don't know, was the first, um, first little bit of light that started to come into this journey of me finding a God that I could understand. And, you know, I, for a long time, it was God as I misunderstood God. That's, that's the way I thought about it. Yeah, I'm thinking back about my early experiences in, in unity, and it was really through happenstance that I ended up there. Um, we had, my wife and our, our kids had moved from Michigan to North Carolina, um, you know, so definitely not in the Bible Belt to definitely in the Bible Belt. And yeah, there are a lot of churches around here, and you know, people were asking uh, about church, which is um, it's really a strong thing, especially in so the Southern Baptist tradition. You know, have you found a church yet? That kind of inviting people into your community uh, that was very foreign to us. But uh, my wife discovered unity through a, a workmate, uh, someone at work, and uh, finally convinced me that I, I should go, and I'm glad I did. And what I really remember was what, what we opened with, this idea of God as principle, you know, this core unity idea, or as I'd heard it said, God as law, you know, like Plato might use law, um, meaning, again, that it's the same for everyone everywhere. And, and when I heard that, um, that really kind of, even a little more than a crack, that opened the door 
that I thought, wow, you know what? What is? I've never heard this before. Who are these? Who are these people who are talking about this stuff? And, and clearly, I quickly gathered this is not a brand new idea. It's not like this. It's not like this minister who I'm looking at is the one who made all this up. He's sharing something that goes way back that I never heard of before. You know, I want to learn more about this. So when we talk about a God is I understand God, that was the first piece of understanding for me that came in. And and it showed up as, wow, here is a way of seeing this thing we call God that really um, it seemed to very quickly do away with all of the objections that I had to the more traditional uh, sense of God, like you shared, the you know, the God of the Old Testament or the God of the uh, traditional church. Um, it seemed to leave those uh, behind and share a view of God, summarized by that phrase, God as principle, um, that all of a sudden was not opposed to science, that all of a sudden did seem to uh, explain pretty well how the world worked. And man, that, that bit of understanding that I got really started me down the road. And uh, of course, later when I got into addiction recovery and encountering the phrase, God as we understand God, I thought, okay, I might have an understanding that can work for me here. <laughs> I really had to work to get an understanding because I had, as I mentioned, a misunderstanding. But, you know, the first for first thing that really started to make sense to me, I mentioned about logic and intellect, was I, um, I ended up with an experience of cancer. And I was scared to death. And I thought, if I better, I have to find God. You know, God's the only one that's going to get me out of this. I got to find God. And I was exposed to a book called Love, Medicine, and Miracles by Bernie Siegel. And he proposed some ideas in that book that were akin to metaphysics, what I know to be metaphysics today. And he talked about the power of the mind to heal yourself. And he uh, talked about some guided meditations, you know, as far as envisioning uh, cells leaving your body and, you know, things like that. That was the very first uh, thing that made sense to me, that there was this power within me, within my mind, that I could direct that it was there, but I could direct that and begin to have an effect. Now, I can't tell you today whether I had an effect or not. That was 20 years before I ever hit Unity, but it uh, it was memorable to me because it was like your experience, a new idea. Oh, what are we talking about here? You know, that God isn't something from the outside that acts, but maybe it's something from within. Yeah, that right there is uh, that. What a great way to point at what for me was the revolutionary idea. That was what it all turned on for me. You know, the the having having walked away, if you will, or just that's not even right, quite accurate. Having begun to ignore anything related to church and religion from an early age, you know, preteen. Uh, it just it's not that I had a problem with it. I just didn't care about it. You know, it didn't speak to me. It didn't make any sense. It was not a thing, um, in my life, but that, that idea that, that, well, what if we were to understand this thing we call God as, as an inner force and experience that's acting outwards, maybe as well as, um, outward. Cause if it's within each of us acting outward, then, you know, there's this whole matrix, if you will, of, of interaction. But the point being, as you just said, it's not some external force acting on me from the outside. It's 
it's perhaps fully interactive. It's, it's as much in me as without me. And that right there is kind of what everything turned on. Now, we, we talk uh, in the program and, and today about conscious contact. And you'd mentioned Bernie Siegel. The, the first time I encountered Bernie Siegel was part of my firewalking instructor training, or actually part of the firewalking workshop. And uh, there was a video that helped prepare us for the firewalk. And, and there were clips of interviews with Bernie Siegel because he was saying things like... Um, he had encountered patients that uh, came to him and say they, they turned all their cares over to God and then their cancer was gone. And he was like, there is something going on here. What is happening with this? The whole piece was titled, Your Mind is Powerful Medicine. And it, and it was getting at exactly what you're pointing at. So we, have, we can participate in this. We have some influence over our experience. You know, maybe not 100%, um, but I don't think that that's important. I think we have significant influence over what happens in our life experience, including in our physical bodies. So not surprising at all that um, we can affect healing within ourselves, exactly like Bernie Siegel's talking about, exactly the same way that we walk barefoot on hot coals and not get burned. That's why he was part of that workshop. He's basically saying, look, there's more going on than you know, and, and it's happening within you. If you can get in conscious contact with all this is going on, Man, the you know, talk about kicking out the walls and and blasting the top off. The, there's so much more uh, happening than we might know, and if we can get in contact with that consciously, all kinds of things can change, including addiction recovery. You know, and even having that awareness at that point, which is very early in my recovery, I was just a couple years in. Um, it still took me a long time to connect the dots. And it, it was years later before I realized what it said in the literature that it says deep within every man, woman, and child is a fundamental idea of God. And that it can be obscured by all of these other things, which it was for me, the uncovering part that you talked about. But it is only there, deep within, that God may be found. You know, it, it took me I don't know, years before I realized the import of those statements and the connection with what I had uh, been practicing and learning with Bernie Siegel. You know, you're talking about this all or none thinking. Mine was compartmentalized. You know, that was healing, and this is addiction recovery. Mm. What is, well, today I can see their connection, but, you know, back then I didn't. So, but uh, I find this interlaced throughout. So, you know what, we probably ought to hang on to our thought at this point because it's time for a short break. And when we come back, we'd love to hear from anybody that's listening as we continue the conversation. The phone number to dial is 816-251-3555. Please stay with us. Discover the power within. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. 
Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery with Reverend Lonnie Vanderslice and Reverend Dan Beckett. Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery. We're glad you're with us today. And if you're just joining us, my name is Reverend Lonnie Vanderslice, and I'm here with Reverend Dan Beckett. We'll resume our discussion in a moment, but first we want to let you know that the phone lines are open, so if you have a question or a comment to share, please give us a call at 816-251-3555. Again, that number is 816-251-3555. So prior to the break, we were discussing this experience of what we're calling disconnected living that's so common for us uh, in recovery and from the time before we got into recovery. Also, we talked about this higher power or God, you know, what is this and how did how did we encounter it and how do we understand it today? So now that we know about this challenge of uh, living a, in a disconnected life and that the solution is conscious contact with the higher power or with God as we understand God, how exactly does this conscious contact lead us to an experience of what we're calling confident living? Lonnie, what do you say? <laughs> well, I'm remembering the little teeny tiny baby steps that it took for me. I uh, would say something to my sponsor and she'd say, you know what I want you to do? Every time you pull up to a stop sign, I want you to say a prayer, you know, a, a red light. She said, because this once a day stuff's not getting it for you. And so I pull up to a stop sign and I go, okay, God, I don't know what I'm supposed to be asking, but help me, <laughs> you know? And, and it was that kind of a thing that got me started even thinking in the direction, you know, I, I was, as I mentioned, firmly agnostic, and I had to start turning that boat around. I had to even start thinking about God before I could begin trusting or experiencing a connection. And that was one of the ways that that started to happen. I keep, uh, remarking what wonderful sponsorship you seem to have had early on. Just yeah. these great suggestions. Oh my gosh, what a gift to be connected with a person who understands so well not only what's going on, but what's happening with you. I mean, what a great idea. Every time you stop at a stop sign, say a prayer. What a brilliant approach to this. Uh, I'm in awe of this sponsor, whoever it was. Um, when I think about conscious con, so how does conscious contact with this thing I understand as God result in confident living? Um, that's a that's a pretty big question, and and it ma it makes me first think, well, what what is what does that mean to me? What is confident living? And I do feel today like I live in a way that's that that is confident uh, that that was foreign to me. Uh, as a younger person, and I guess I would characterize the way I lived before generally as fearful living, although, like I always say, like my t-shirt says, I didn't know, I swear, I didn't know. Um, I didn't realize that, it, that I was living in kind of a fearful manner, but what fearful living looked like is always feeling like I had I had to make sure that things would be okay and that if I if I dropped my guard, you know, if I wasn't the one who who actively made sure that everything didn't didn't um, you know, go south in a handbag so to speak, that things were going to get really bad. So I had this um outsized sense of responsibility like that I had to make sure everything was going to be okay and that I had to do this and that right there uh, is a formula for living in fear. So as opposed to that, when I think about a comp more confident way that I can live now, I just let so much of that go. Like, you know what? I learned 
that I don't have to constantly be thinking about what to do or what's going to happen. I don't have to worry about, do I have enough money for this or not have enough money for that? Um, and just by letting those worries go, it's not like I, it's not so much that I built a confident way of living as I let go of a fearful way of living. And that what that left was what I now experience as, as living in confidence. So it's because of this uh, understanding, this relationship uh, with God that I have, or what I call God, my understanding of higher power, um, that has allowed me to let go of those things. That has It's more like it's revealed a confident way of living more than created it. You know, I identify with the, your comments about being a control freak. You know, and that was a symptom of the fear in my life that I had to control everybody and everything around me or I wouldn't be okay. You know, I had to be able to predict the future. I had to be, I had to know what was going to happen and what was going to go on. And, um, you know, letting go of that didn't relieve the fear for me because then I was just in terror. Now I'm not doing anything and I don't know what's going to happen, you know. And so, as I mentioned earlier, it was a very tiny steps, slow process for me to start turning the corner. And I had to start thinking about God as an option in these situations that, well, maybe God's got a different plan or maybe there is a plan and maybe, maybe I'm not the one that's supposed to carry this out. And I, I, part of the journey for me was to understand that my self-reliance was getting in my way you know, being self-sufficient and self-reliant in every way, in every situation, who needed God, right? So I had to start asking, interrupting this thought pattern with, okay, God, now what? So that was my second prayer. You know, the first prayer is help. Second <laughs> prayer is, okay, now what? Now what? You know, and it wasn't always now what in frustration. It was now what? Like I'm waiting, but how are you going to let me know what's going on? You know, so I would say it was more like a tin can uh, and a string connection at that point with my higher power. It, it sounds like it's a, it's a coming into balance because as you shared about, I mean, there's nothing wrong with self-reliance, right? There's a famous uh, transcendentalist essay called Self-Reliance, and it's not written to say that self-reliance is bad. It's neither good nor bad, but if it's the only thing that we have, like it was for me and like you're sharing that it was for you, uh, then I'm out of balance. And it's not that being self-reliant is bad, it's that being out of balance is not healthy, being out of balance is not um, a good way for me to be living because it um, it costs so much as far as energy and outlook and and you know living that kind of fearful way. Um, one way that I think about it is that now nowadays um, my default way of being in the world is that all is well. You know, if I'm not sure what's going on, if I'm not sure. Um, you know, exactly like, what am I going to talk about this Sunday at church? Or, you know, what, what am I going to eat later today? If I'm not sure, instead of that being a cause for worry, like, well, I better become sure, because if I'm not sure, that means it's not going to go well. Instead of that way of looking at it, my default um, way of being now is that, uh, it, you know, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. And that's not in a head in the sand kind of way. Like, oh, my tank's on empty. Oh, the empty light has come on. I have 100 miles to drive. Eh, it'll be fine. You know, not like that. I mean, like, uh, you know, it, it'll be okay. The gas station will come up. Uh, 
And if I did run out of gas, which let's see, I did that once 35 years ago. So I guess it is possible that it would happen, but not very likely. You know, everything, I don't need to worry about this stuff. It's a sense of, it's that sense of well-being, you know, another way of what we're calling confident living. And, and it's based on not feeling alone, you know, not feeling like it all is coming down to me. It's like, you know what, if, if I don't do anything at all, uh, this is still going to be okay because I'm not the only thing that's, I'm not the only force in action here. You know, I can, I can rely on this thing that I call God, this, this higher power. I have this conscious contact that tells me, um, everything's going to be okay. Even if I have no idea what that means or looks like in a given situation. You know, you mentioned the word worry. And for me, my, my, my fear started with terror and then it went to fear and then it went to worry all of, and then, you know, low level anxiety, uh, all of which were based on projection. What my mind told me might happen, you know, the power of imagination. And one of the tools that I was given to get out of that, because that is, that separates me from my higher power. Fear separates me from my higher power. It's an indication that I'm separated and I need to get reconnected. Um, was to to ask myself, is everything okay right this minute? Not five minutes from now, not Sunday, not next week. Right this minute, do I have everything I need? And I have never been able to answer that question, no. Anytime I ask myself that question, the answer is yes. And that has given me confidence that, okay, if I'm okay right this very minute, I don't have to think about, you know, two days from now or 10 days from now. You know, I could just need to stay right this very minute where I'm at and do what I would call the next right thing is to that. And that would be to get connected, to ask for help, to say a prayer, to maybe perhaps go into some meditation. Um, because the, you, you also mentioned um, that you, you don't have to have an answer this minute. That leaves room in me for inspiration, you know, for this new idea, for this divine idea, for this God consciousness to go, oh, well, how about this instead, you know, or, or this hunch to come through. And I think all of those things are, are pieces within us that, uh, when given the opportunity to emerge, provide the guidance that we need in that moment. I, my belief has become that God is in this moment and this moment only. You know, we talk uh, in unity and in, and in other kind of progressive spiritual schools about the present moment, right? The present moment is the only moment that is. And, and we meditate in order to get our conscious, our thinking mind focused on the present moment. I'm completely convinced that the present moment is the only place that God is or ever needs to be. Uh, just like you're saying, do I have everything I need right now in this moment? Uh, yes, I do. I've had the same experience. I've been asked that by sponsors and program friends when I've been fearful. And I've always had that same answer that, you know what, I just look around, doesn't take long for me to realize, you know what, I do have everything I need right here in this moment. And that what I call my life is just a whole string of these, this moment right now, you know, that in my head make a line, but in reality, it's, it's, a, it's only right here, right now. That's the only thing that there is. You know, one of my favorite ways that I've heard this, this confidence uh, expressed is, and I think I've shared this before, I had a, uh, I had a teacher who 
related how when she when she set out to make a career out of doing spiritual growth workshops there were people around her saying oh you can't do that you know you you'll never make it and uh, are you sure that doesn't sound like a very good idea and and her response to them became don't worry i have a wealthy father and i know that all is well and of course she's talking about her higher power you know, using the words, I have a wealthy father, just to express her confidence that, you know what, everything's going to be fine, even if I do this thing that's making you nervous. And that would, of course, uh, end, end the criticism and end up at something, well, oh, oh, well, in that case, you know, go for it, of course. Uh, thinking that she was saying she had a, a parent with a lot of money in the bank, uh, she was simply expressing that um, I've got I've got backup. I've got a partner in this. This is not just me alone. There's more going on than you can see here. And she was very successful with that. And I love that way of understanding it. I don't, why don't I have to worry? I don't have to worry because I have a quote, a quote, wealthy father. Oh, okay. Whew. Well, in that case, then, then I am okay. And I don't have to worry about every little thing and try and make it all work out on my own energy and my own ideas. You know, confidence is kind of a, an interesting thing. Um, because in, in, I will call it a former life. Um, I used to think that I had to have all the answers. I had to look it all up. I had to have it all outlined. I had to know exactly what, what was going to come down, what I was going to say, what I was going to do, and that would give me confidence. But what that did was feed my anxiety because um, what if I forgot something? What if I, what if I misread it? What if I said it wrong? What if it wasn't exactly what I meant to say? What if it got misinterpreted? You know, and uh, so the confidence for me has come to the point of I will know what I need to do at the moment that I need to do it. And while I have a general uh, direction, a trajectory in my life, that's, it's pointed in a particular direction and it's and it's moving along. I don't know what steps from one moment to the next are going to move me along the path. And and I don't have to today. I have lost that fear, as you were talking about earlier. Set aside worry. You know, I will wake up in the middle of the night sometimes and I'm worried about something. That's what wakes me up. Oh, what about this thing at work? And I go, you know what? It's going to be there in the morning. Go back to sleep. And I just set it aside and I go back to sleep. But, you know, that 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 confidence that comes from within that I will be guided that I will say what needs to be said or what somebody needs to hear or I will hear what I need to hear those that just kind of happened over time for me and it happened I believe as a as a result of of some of these uh, practices these spiritual practices we talk about that support this conscious contact yeah and I have found those practices to be critical just as you shared earlier uh, with your sponsor making those really wonderful suggestions that would that were guiding you in your discovery of higher power and and the God or the higher power of of your understanding, you know, having a a concept of prayer, even though my concept is different than the uh, sort of again the classical theist traditional or what I call the old church uh, view of prayer. Um, you know, we we look at it in unity more like a, again, that phrase conscious contact is so perfect um, for the way that, that we see it. So meditation, prayer, which is very much uh, like meditation, becomes a, a practice of 
um, experiencing the what I call the presence of my higher power. If it's true that this thing I call God is everywhere always, then then that means right here, right now, where I am. And that means that if I were to uh, take a breath for a moment, just take a little pause, you know, I used to smoke, you call it a, quote, a smoke break. Right, if, I, if I take a spirit break instead of a smoke break, um, and just pause for a minute and and let my thoughts settle and maybe focus on my breath because that's an easy way to get my head where my feet are, um, that I can have this experience, this conscious contact or this experience of uh, of the presence of God. And when I do that, and this has been a key for me, I realize this is not all about me. I mean, my my mind is wired to be self-centered. And if my thinking mind is the only is the only tool that I have to interface with the world, then yeah, I'm going to be a very self-centered kind of person because I'm driven by, uh, as we talked about, these thousand forms of fear. But when I can just take a moment, take a breath, it's kind of like the prayer at the stop sign, mm-hmm. or or whatever it is, uh, I can begin to realize, you know what, this is not all about me. Uh, there's more going on in this world than I even know about or will ever know about. I can I can relax knowing that I don't have to figure everything out. I can just be me with my you know limited view at this moment and and let that be perfectly fine. Or as you put it, I don't need to know every step along the way. Yes, my life has a trajectory. Yes, I have goals. I have things that I would like to see happen. There are ways that I prefer to live, but I don't have to figure out every little dot that needs to get connected to get from here to there. I just need to have a sense of, um, I guess, intention and where I am, and then let this conscious contact with God as I understand God, That that's going to fill in all the rest of the details as I go. And so that that idea that, you know what, uh, it's not all about me. I don't have to have all this figured out. Or uh, as as that's been expressed to me by sponsors and program friends, you know, if I worry about, oh, man, you know, my friend so-and-so, I think they drink too much, and I, I think that they should get into recovery. Pro-. It's like, dude, you don't have that kind of power. You can't make them alcoholic. You can't make them not alcoholic. Just give it up. You know, it's not about you. You don't have that kind of power. Oh, good. What a relief. <laughs> thank thank higher power that this is not all about me because it would kill me if it was. It was killing me. It literally was killing me. The idea that that this was somehow all about me and that, that I had to be at the center of everything. No, thank you. Of course, that just feeds all that fear that you were talking about, mm-hmm. that idea. And, you know, the thinking process The unconscious, unexamined thinking process, of course, is what we're talking about when we're talking about addiction and the way that this drives our lives. You know, and many of these tools are aimed at uh, uncovering those, making the the unconscious or the subconscious conscious. You know, I mean, I don't know how many times I've I've been uh, in meditation and I have a a realization, an awareness, something not just that I'd never thought of before, but that I had never realized about me or the way that I relate in the world or the way that I'm acting or the way that I need to, to approach a, a, a problem or something like that, you know. And and it's amazing to me also how I mentioned the way my mind likes to compartmentalize things. 
how interrelated it all is. Breathing. You take a deep breath and your body relaxes. The body relaxes and the fear drains away. You know, you breathe deeply and you become more clear-minded. You do this purposefully, consciously, intentionally, and now all of a sudden you're in a meditation, you know, even if it's only for a moment. And, and those kinds of small, tiny steps, practical tools helped me to begin what I would consider to be the next step in this conscious contact. I had to begin to trust that I was getting uh, the direction that I needed and the support that I wanted. I had to begin to to have faith. And it was a learning process for me. It was not a, oh, I believe, I believe. It was like, okay, well, okay, I can do this. One thing that comes to mind, the way that I could express, what is this like to have conscious contact with the higher power and, and you know, live a life that feels confident is I can take chances and still feel okay. Kind of like you're saying, I, I can step out in the world without knowing how everything's going to work out and and not have to worry about making all the connections. And this is reminding me of a, of a cartoon drawing that I saw um, on social media. So picture a tiny little person standing on the edge of a cliff. And then behind them is this gigantic hand that's about to flick them like you'd flick a little wad of paper across the room. And the hand is labeled God. It's like God's going to flick you off of the cliff. And then there's this other hand uh, that's that's positioned to catch the wad of paper, aka me, as God flick. And it and the other hand is labeled also God. So God is both pushing me, drawing me forward, and or pushing me, depending on how I look at it, and providing the support that I need and catching me. So what seems like getting uh, flicked off or jumping off a cliff is, is actually a, an exercise in, in forward motion or in spiritual growth, if you will, and I don't have to worry. You know, I've heard that expressed that you know, uh, I will. I, I can. I can take a leap of faith off of this cliff, and I will either sprout wings or a net will appear. And both of those, all of those things, all of the above, that to me is the action of a higher power in my life. The higher God is compelling me to jump or and or flicking me off the edge of the cliff. Um, God is providing the wings to fly. God is providing the net, and I don't have to worry about it. So just file it under something other than my thinking mind um, is part of all of this, and I don't have to worry about it. And that right there, to me, that's the gift in all of this. I mean, I might be making all of this up, and I don't care, because the upshot is I don't have to worry about it. I'm not making that up. I know that that's true. And so it works for me. I'm reminded about another phrase that it's kind of a, a sideways reference here. What we resist persists. Hmm. And when I um, when I see this, if you will, hand of God going to push me off the cliff, <laughs> you know, it's inevitable. I see this coming, whatever it is. I have this idea. I have this hunch. I have this intuition. I need to get out of the way or get going or jump or something. You know, when I resist that, that's where I have the pain. And it's usually connected to an old idea. I can't leave this job. I can't leave this relationship. I can't, I can't do this or that. You know, when I recognize that feeling that something's coming, then I start looking for the open doors because that's what's next. And then I can can reach for the open door instead of resist. And that has helped me immensely. Absolutely.
So let's shift gears now and move into taking action. We know that unity's fifth principle states that it's not enough to know these truths that we've been talking about. We have to live them. Uh, that means we must each take action in order to grow and recover. So here's something you can do to move from living a disconnected kind of life to confident living through conscious contact with God as you understand God. Think of a way that you feel disconnected from the world today. Does it seem like nobody really understands how you feel? Or that it doesn't matter what you do or don't do. Or perhaps you just want to feel closer to others. Or maybe you'd like a stronger sense of purpose in your life. What's important is to pick one thing, something simple to focus on right here for the purpose of this exercise. Because you can take what we do right here together into your life this week and return to it any time you choose to, uh, in order to find peace, kind of like saying a prayer at the stop sign. So let's use the example of having a strong sense of purpose in life. Use a statement of power or what we refer to in unity as a denial to deny any power to feeling aimless and disconnected. You could say something like, aimlessness and disconnection are not the truth of who I am. Repeat that a few times in your head or say it aloud and say it with conviction. Aimlessness and disconnection are not the truth of who I am. And follow that up immediately with a bold and positive affirmation of a new experience. You could say, I am guided and supported in the world through my conscious contact with God. And then take a few quiet moments to relax and take it easy. Take some deep breaths. There's no need to struggle. Give thanks for your new experience in the world and then just move on with your day. Once again, aimlessness and disconnection are not the truth of who I am. I'm guided and supported in the world through my conscious contact with God. So we've come to the end of our time together here today, and we hope that you found something that'll help you on your recovery path. Thank you, Reverend Dan Beckett, for this discussion, and thank you to everybody that's listening on one of the many podcast platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn. We're on all of those. We bless you wherever you are on your recovery journey. And listeners, if you would like, you can connect with us on our Facebook page, Spirit of Recovery, to give us your thoughts and feedback. And we invite you to join us again next Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central. Until then, have a wonder-filled... Thank you for listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. I'm Suzanne Giesman, and if you've ever wondered about life after death or if it's possible to connect with a higher consciousness, I invite you to join me for my podcast, Messages of Hope. It's my mission to share with you that our loved ones who have passed are always with us and we are so very loved. I want to teach you how to live a consciously connected and divinely guided life. Listen here on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network.